0: Hello out there and welcome back to the GamecockScoop.com podcast, the official podcast of GameCockScoop.com on the work. Today, I'm joined by Pauline and Alan. I'm Caleb, by the way. Um, and we're gonna talk a little bit of recruiting, a little baseball, mostly preview the upcoming matchup between South Carolina and the Charlotte 49ers which is really hard to hashtag on Twitter because if you, Charlotte, <laughs> if you hashtag Charlotte, it's just like, oh, the city of Charlotte. And if you hashtag 49ers, it's like the San Francisco 49ers. Work. So um, yeah, I got to figure out where, what, what I'm supposed to be hashtagging. There. Um, we're also joined by Corey Rucker over my shoulder. <laughs> got my new background we this, week. this week. Um, by the
1: way, for the first time since his injury.
0: Yeah, I thought I thought that that was, uh, you know, appropriate. Now, nah, this is from his recruiting visit or whatever. I think he sent it to me a long time ago, whenever I talked to him after that. Um, and it was on my desktop, and I was like, why not? Um, plus, if I'm in front of him, it looks like I'm in front of the recruiting board, which is kind of cool. Anyway, uh, speaking of recruiting, really quick, just wanted to give a couple updates on that before we get into things. So, as we talked about for weeks, um, last week in Nicholas Harbor was on an official visit to South Carolina for that um, game that didn't go so well. <laughs> uh, so earlier this week, though, I talked, well, Shane Beamer talked about it, and then uh, I'm, I'm, a couple of recruits talked about it, and then I wrote an article about how a single game result against you know the number one team in the country defending national champs um, doesn't have as big of an impact as maybe some fans might think it does. Um, so on Sunday, Shane Beamer was talking about how he met with a recruit after the game on Sunday for dinner, which was as hard, um, because he was on an official visit and he wouldn't have been going to dinner with an unofficial visitor, but anyway, he can't mention a name. Uh, so, you know, maybe it was, maybe it wasn't anyway, whoever this recruit was, this unnamed recruit, um, told Beamer basically like. Hey, it was a disappointing game, but like, really, I wanted to come and see the environment. I wanted to see the campus. I wanted to see my relationship with the staff and with the recruits. Um, so, you know, and again, you've been building these relationships for years. Um, Shane Beamer was one of the first people to offer Nicholas Harbor, I believe, while he was still at Oklahoma. This was a long time ago, um, and they've kept that relationship going. And by all accounts, uh, he had a really good trip. He talked to rivals Adam Freeman, which we have the article with all the quotes uh, posted on GameTalksGroup.com. It's a premium article. If you don't have premium, now's a great time to get it. It's $100 for a year or $10 a month. Uh, You get to save some money if you do it annually, so I recommend that. But anyway, um, a little quick quip from that article that I thought was interesting was he said, I'm keeping an open mind for everything. This is Harbor. Uh, But they showed me, with how they impressed me this weekend, that they have a really good chance of getting my commitment. Now, he does still have a couple more official visits uh, already on the books. He's got one in Michigan this weekend when they're playing against Maryland. And then he's got one in October to LSU. And then he may use his other two um, that he hasn't used yet as well. Um, not sure yet. So, again, I've said this several times. I don't think that this is something that's going to be an immediate um, commitment one way or another. But I also, from everything I've heard from this weekend from both Harbor and other recruits and – other sources um, that things are still pretty well i'm gonna change my future cast right now things are things are going good um one other quick note in that article i got some notes from zabari sandy jalen Kilgore, and um Tosim babalade uh, and cam up actually shot me a test after i posted the article so i did want to just mention what he said too um he said that nick was really cool he met him as soon as they got. He got to the stadium and like dapped him up, and they injured themselves. Um, and then Cam's visit was also really good. Um, got love from the whole staff as always, and it was his uncle's first time up there, and he was amazed by the atmosphere, which um, you know we were all there on Saturday. The atmosphere was amazing <laughs> until you know everything started to go downhill yeah <laughs> uh, it got loud again a couple of times in the first quarter but yeah um but yeah i mean the flyover was really cool uh the stadium got really loud sandstorm looked cool i got a nice little video of all that uh the first storm at least i did see the f- a yeah funny... the first of
1: three yeah
0: <laughs> i did see the funny clip um after they scored the touchdown, like with like a minute left or whatever, when they did sandstorm again for that kickoff, uh, it looked a little different. It, w- it wasn't quite as uh, raucous in there at that point. <laughs> um, but yeah, so anyway, continue to check out our recruiting coverage on Gamecocksgroup.com. Another thing you'll see if you go there, um, we got some feedback from 2024 four-star wide receiver Mazio Bennett out of Greenville High School. Um, Lee Wardlaw got to catch up with him after he's visited twice already. I mean, there's only been two home games, he's been at both. Uh, he'll be at a few more. Um, another update uh, Cam just told me that he'll be in town for the Missouri game. Um, so that's, uh, you know, good news. And, um, Mazio Bennett, just a quick note that Lee said so earlier, uh, this offseason, he had heard from a source close to Mazio won't be much more specific than that. um, That basically if Clemson pushed a little that he would uh, maybe eventually end up there, but it seems like as time's gone on, the most recent update uh, from Lee and from Mazio was kind of that they have a lot of catching up to do if that were to be the case. So that's a, that's a good sign. I think things are definitely trending in the right direction for Him, but he's a 2024 recruit, so still a lot of time. All right. uh, Do you want to go baseball or Charlotte first, Alan? I'm cool with you.
1: Let's knock out the baseball quick. That's the shorter thing. That doesn't take quite as much time as breaking down the whole football game. Uh, Mark Kingston was on Zoom today. That was his first press conference of fall camp. South Carolina has, well, he said their first team meetings are today. The first scrimmage of fall camp is tomorrow. That is an open scrimmage, by the way, if you want to go down to Founders Park. It is at 3 30 eastern tomorrow afternoon i guess you could just sit in the stands and watch um he did say i mean you're not going to see will sanders tomorrow you're not going to see um noah hall tomorrow i think we kind of saw that was coming you're not going to use either of your top two starting pitchers in a false scrimmage but you are going to see 10 new transfers there's a lot of new faces on this roster there's i don't know it's almost completely remade from what you saw last spring on the diamond so that you can do that, and then Kingston was kind of talking about. I actually asked him what you're looking for in a fall camp, what you want to see happen, and he had, he gave me a three pronged answer that was actually pretty good. Um, he said they're looking to build, you know, team chemistry and bonding because there's so many new faces. You got obviously a, plus your freshman recruit that's coming to campus for the first time, ten transfers from different schools, three of them from Clemson. Um, I know you're going to talk about that with Monty Lee in a second. Second thing they're looking for is individual development. He was mentioning, you know, hitters trying to take the ball the other way or improving their two strike approach or for pitchers, maybe that's developing a new pitch or more velocity. And then the third thing is more as a coaching staff, they're trying to evaluate everything, he, you know, mentioned no spots are secure. Every coach says that in every sport, but it might be true in this case, given how many <laughs> new players are here and how far it's going to take to weed everything out before we actually get to real games in February.
0: Yeah. And I did see that he talked a little bit about, um, have a Monty Lee on staff and he feels like there's already being an impact made uh, as far as offensive um, impact from having him there and the hitting, you know, seems to be trending in the right direction and all that. And, you know, that's a good thing to say on September 22nd. Um, I, we'll, we'll, we'll see if uh, that comes to fruition. It, it better, you know, like that's, it, yeah, it's pretty, to. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. If they're going to have the, season that they need to have that really probably Mark Kingston needs them to have if he's going <laughs> to continue to be in that position. Um the offense is going to have to pick up but uh yeah, that'll be I'm interested to see what comes out of that uh scrimmage. What was the date on that again? Sorry, date and time.
1: Well, there's two of them. There's tomorrow at 3:30 and there's Saturday morning at 11:30. I would imagine the Friday one will be more attended. Saturday is a football game day, but yeah, we're starting off actual kind of baseball at least South Carolina versus South Carolina baseball tomorrow afternoon at three 30 at Founders park.
0: Cool. And we'll have some notes uh, from Alan on that on gamecock scoop.com. So those of you that are, you know, ready for baseball season, go ahead and pop over and check that out. All right. But now we're in the middle of football season. Uh, I guess we're about a a quarter or a third of the way through. um, Yeah. Football season. And so Charlotte, the Charlotte 49ers are coming into town. They're 1-3. Uh, they got their first win last week over Georgia State, which is a, an opponent that um, South Carolina fans are familiar with. And it was pretty much an offensive shootout. Um, came down to the last minute. A um, couple of things, I guess, for South Carolina fans to look for against Charlotte. Their quarterback is a super senior, and he's pretty good. He He's the 49ers all-time record holder in pretty much every passing category um he's been on you know all the major qb watch lists he went to the manning uh award stars of the week or i think he went to manning academy over the summer too and they have two good receivers in tucker and dubose um and both of them, or one of the two, have caught two t- two touchdown passes in three of their four games so far. So DuBose had two touchdown passes against, or catches against FAU and Georgia State, and Tucker had two against Maryland. Um, so that should be a little bit of a concern for South Carolina fans because the secondary is banged up. Alan, you got any updates from an injury standpoint on some of those guys who we're missing, notably Cam Smith uh, is probably the biggest name.
1: Yeah, I mean Shane Beamer was talking yes yesterday. He'll talk, or no, two days ago now. He'll talk again on Carolina calls tonight. Uh, he gave pretty much the exact same answer he gave last week. He said everybody's questionable. Obviously, we saw what that meant last week. That meant everybody was out. I don't expect to see a lot of these guys back this week. Um, I think this is something the staff wants to take slow. This is a portion of the schedule you should be able to take it slow with before you get back into SEC play. Um, Like I said, Corey Rucker practiced. That's an offensive guy, obviously. But he practiced for the first time on Tuesday. But yeah, you're still waiting to hear about Cam Smith. You're still waiting on Boogie Huntley. Um, RJ Roderick, by the way, is no longer listed as an or on the depth chart. I don't know if any, either of you caught that this week. He is just Nicky Minori's backup now that took away the or. That was the only change this week. I don't know what that means. You can read it out whatever you want, but
0: that can happen. It's hard to start him over the leading solo tackler in the NCAA right now. Um, no, it's, uh, it, it obviously <laughs> he wasn't good. I think I said it too after Georgia State game. He might have just got
1: Wally pipped. Like he might have just lost his spot when he got hurt. But um, I just thought that was interesting. I, I don't expect those guys to be out there Saturday. Today. That's honestly um, something think. that I
2: was touching on. I was thinking about that for this game as well. Is that um, one of the things we've noticed since Georgia is that there's a lot more um, freshmen playing on the field now, i.e., Nick, and like they're doing a phenomenal job holding their own. Exactly, and they're they're out there like getting thrown into Georgia, like the number one team. It, it, they they can't do anything about it. They just have to perform.
1: Yeah, that next year mentality we've heard from everybody.
0: Yeah, which I mean obviously the defense struggled against Georgia. Every defense in the country would struggle against Georgia right now. Um, but Clayton White did mention that they had a lot less missed tackles last week than they did against Arkansas, and that is pretty impressive when you have so many freshmen, especially in the secondary, and those like one-on-one tackle situations uh, that were able to do it. I mean, a, a lot of that, of course, is like we said, Nick Emmonwari, who has twenty-four solo tackles by himself <laughs> through three games. Um, but still, I mean, throughout the uh, the defense, they've they seem to have been getting a little bit more solid on the tackling front, at least.
1: Yeah, I do think this is a hard skills versus soft skills kind of thing. Like, I don't doubt the harder skills, I guess, the physical skills of any of these freshmen. Um, communication was a big problem last week. Clayton White said it. Shane Beamer said it. Um, the long touchdown pass to Bowers right at the start of the third quarter. That was when Eamon Mori was off the field. He had a quick check in the medical tent. Uh, I believe it was B.J. Gibson who was on the field in his spot. And Beamer said, two new safeties, never played together, miscommunication, pop past the Bowers, you saw what happened. So I think it's more about communication as much as it is the physical part of this for these freshmen. Because you know they're going to be ready to play.
0: Yeah, I mean, it seemed like they really hammered on that uh, idea throughout the press conferences this week that they're working on – both on offense and defense, but simplifying and making sure that the communication is uh, happening on the field, especially, like you said, with all these new faces. I believe Beamer was saying, you know, the talent is there. These guys, you know, were very good coming out of high school, but throwing them up against Georgia altogether for the first time is a little bit of a different animal. Um, so, yeah, that's definitely something I'll be looking for on Saturday. And like we said, they're going to be tested. The Charlotte uh, offense. Is pretty good at throwing the ball, um, and they're going to need to communicate. I don't know that they're going to run anything terribly exotic, um, but you got two solid receivers and you got a quarterback that can get the ball to them.
1: Yeah, uh, you don't have to be exotic when you can do that. Um, it's pretty much all I'm not going to say all you need. I do think we are maybe not exotic from a concept standpoint. You're going to see some trickery, you're going to see some scripted plays. I don't know, we got a fake field goal or something. You, Charlotte. They're going to have to take some risks to win this game. It's the same position South Carolina was in last week against Georgia. Um, so maybe you see some of that. I don't know what that looks like in a game setting. But no, their offense is pretty basic. But I watched that second half last week when I got home from the South Carolina game. It's pretty good. They get the ball to the outside. They, they can shake tackles on the perimeter. They're good at finding space. Um, they're going to have their hands full in the secondary for sure.
0: Yeah, and then as far as the running game goes, I mean, it seems like – it's competent. But it's kind of hard to know. I mean, really, the only game I've watched was last week against Georgia State. I watched some of that, um, and neither defense was putting up too much of a fight in that one. Um, I believe Georgia State had 600 yards against Charlotte or something.
1: It was 596, I think. I mean, yeah, Shadrick, um, I think Shadrick how you say his name. Shadrick Bird can take the ball a little bit. Um, I know they've gotten um, I think they have three rushing touchdowns this year, but Two of them are from the quarterback position. It's not as much of a running game thing to worry about. And honestly, Shane Beamer did say that he felt like they were doing a little better against the run last week, even though the stats didn't maybe show it. Um, but, he, I mean, you you saw the game. We all saw it. It was more passes to the perimeter. It was tight end stuff that was getting them last week. They were making – I don't want to oversell, but they were making a few plays in the line of scrimmage against Georgia. Um, we talked about T.J. Sanders had a couple nice ones, uh, Tonka Hemingway. This is a passing game for Charlotte. They're going to throw the ball to win it. If they're going to stay in this game in the second half, it's going to be throwing the ball. I think South Carolina knows that too.
0: Yeah, I mean, honestly, the interior defense has played pretty well all season. I think the places, even in the run game, that they've been exploited is more on the edge than just running it up the gut or whatever. I mean, maybe in the fourth quarter against Arkansas once they're already tired. But I thought early in that game, the interior played fine too.
1: Yeah, and you've got Zach Pickens there too Who's been incredible Even last week in a blowout loss He was everywhere I mean, Arkansas, Georgia, both those games He was right there And I don't know, I'm not an offensive coordinator But I wouldn't run the ball right at Zach Pickens either
0: (laughs) Um, Pauline, I know that you looked a little bit Into Charlotte and Georgia I've been in and
2: out (laughs) Sorry, what were y'all talking (laughs) about beforehand?
0: We were talking about Charlotte's rushing game. Did you have any anything on that?
2: I mean, just from watching, I was just previewing the game before this, and um, one of the things, I mean, again, I've missed if y'all said this or not, but one of the things I was noticing is that they were consistently getting first downs when a lot of the things that I have heard coming from the press conference and the players and the coordinators is that they have – Uh, We as a team have to get over like basically waiting till third down to try to run run, like 10 yards. So I think it will be like interesting in the sense that they're talented in that regard where they can easily like continuously turn over first downs while we're still struggling to run again 10 yards. Oh, Whether mean, or not it's getting running off the or field. passing. Yeah. I,
1: think, I think she means like Charlotte's, I don't know, maybe I'm speaking for you. Charlotte's offense is converting in third down. South Carolina's offense isn't right now. Yeah, I that's think. what I heard too. Is that we, yeah. yeah, okay. Sorry. No, you're good. Um, yeah, I mean, that's, I don't know, that's kind of one of those, this is kind of the main point of what I'm writing for Saturday's preview. Look out for that. We've heard a lot of words from the offense. We haven't seen a lot of action and some of those words have been about third downs um, and they were, Again, it's Georgia's defense. You're not going to convert many, period. But they were bad on third down again Saturday. They had some wonky play calling. I know you wrote about that a little bit, Caleb, in your rapid reaction. But the third downs are definitely not where they need to be right now on offense. And they are for Charlotte. They converted a lot against Georgia State. They moved the ball. They put up 42 points. Um, So South Carolina is going to have to stay on the field on offense somehow.
0: Yeah, and maybe that's a good uh, transition to talking about South Carolina's offense versus Charlotte's defense. I mean, as much as I do think Charlotte is going to score some points in this game just because of the lack of depth in South Carolina's secondary right now, so it's Charlotte's strength in the passing game versus, um, I wouldn't say Carolina's weakness, but uh, they just have a lack of experience there right now, so maybe they'll you know, catch them sleeping a couple times or whatever, but Um, South Carolina's offense versus Charlotte's defense, I mean, (sighs) Carolina's offense hasn't shown yet against anyone that they can um, consistently move the ball and and score a lot of points, but it feels like if they are going to come together, which uh, several of the um, coaches this week kind of said that they feel like they're close, on offense, which, you know, we can talk about that in a second about whether or not we agree that they're closed, but feel like they're close on offense. Well, I, this does feel like a, a defense that you can start to exploit and start to, uh, instead of be close, actually, you know, hit some of these opportunities that they think that they're almost hitting.
2: I agree with you. I think that's um, honestly one of the things that I also noticed while watching was just, there was a lot of pockets um, that, you um, Georgia state was able to take advantage of when they had possession of the ball. And, you know, uh, our current state of what our O-line men look like, I feel like it'll be a nice, you know, tester put our toes in the water to see like what if we have been working on is working essentially.
1: Yeah. I, and I do think too, you talk about pockets of space. Uh, you can say what you went about this Carolina receiver group. It's not completely healthy. There's still no Corey Rucker. Um, we, Josh van has been kind of the missing man so far this year. We talked about that last week. Georgia State's receiver has created a lot of space. I know South Carolina's can. And now it's about Spencer Rattler putting the ball on target, hitting guys in stride, and receivers making guys miss. And it, look, it's going to have to be. I mean, Charlotte's given up 563 yards a game right now. Through, they've played four games because they had the week zero game. Um, that's a pretty healthy sample size in college football. It's a third of a season where they're giving up just chunks of points and yards to everyone they faced. And if South Carolina can't do that, I think you have way bigger problems here.
0: Yeah. I mean, I think that if South Carolina's offense isn't as good as Georgia state's offense, uh, then it's not going to translate very well through the back half of that SEC schedule. Um, Now, I think Pauline mentioned the the offensive line. I did see that um, in particular was kind of talking about how he thought the offensive line played really well. Um, And honestly, since the Georgia State game where they looked really bad, but I also wonder if that's just like a little bit of a mismatch, which sounds silly because uh, SEC offensive line should be able to compete against Georgia State's defensive line all the time. But um, one of the things that I, I noticed in that game, especially on past their their pass rush, is the Georgia defensive linemen used the fact that they were smaller and quicker uh, to State. just sort of, yeah. So Georgia State used the fact that they were smaller and quicker to just kind of um, not even allow uh, South Carolina's bigger bod become a factor. Um, and then I feel like when they've gone against you know more. Uh, equal size offensive line or defensive lines in Arkansas and Georgia the past two weeks they have looked a little bit better, especially in giving Rattler a little bit of time. Now, he hasn't always made the best decisions when he's had that time, but.
1: Yeah, and that's another thing Beamer talked about too, not the Rattler point about the offensive line. They had the shuffle last week. Um, Jalen Nichols did not play, that was a late. I guess I'll use a pro sport term and call that a late scratch. We didn't hear about him on the injury report all week, but he did not play Saturday. They kicked, Um, they had Wanamaker starting. Um, um Did Ja'Kai Moore play? I don't even, they, they played Dylan, seven or eight. Dylan
0: Wanam. Linemen. Dylan Wanam at started D- at the other tackle, yeah.
1: Like kicked Wanam out to left tackle, right. So you had seven, I think seven or eight offensive linemen played. Kind of a mixed bag there that goes back to the communication thing. We're going to see if Jalen Nichols plays on Saturday. Um, but the Charlotte pass rush, uh, along with basically everything else with the Charlotte defense, it has not has not been good this year. Do you, either of you, want to take a guess how many sacks Charlotte has this year?
0: Go for it, Pauline.
1: It's... F- oh.
2: I don't know. I don't- it's
1: four. So they're at one a game, basically. They're getting pressure. I mean... I guess they could be getting. Pressure I thought more, you me? were about
2: to say some crazy number.
1: No, no, it's only four. It's that's my point, though. It's like once again, it's from four different players. They are getting different. Pressure, but is it I guess? like the
2: same four players?
1: Well, they've got one each. They've got four with one each right now. Which I realize that's actually more than South Carolina has because you had Birch and you had none against Georgia State. You just had Birch and Strong against Arkansas, but. Spencer Rattler should have time in this game, but he also has to trust his offensive line. That's something I think he kind of has the happy feet thing. We talked about that last week, Caleb. Um, I don't know if he particularly trusts the guys blocking for him right now, but this would be a game to see that if he does. Yeah. I feel I like it kind... in the work...
2: go sorry, ahead. go ahead. Oh, I was gonna say <laughs> at least um I remember Alan Al and I were talking about how out of like all, I mean, compared to Georgia and um, Arkansas, offensively speaking, there was, I think, the best communication we've seen among them. And they made a point to say that like they voted him to be a captain. Like he's not being this whole like, you know, important figure out uh, outshining everybody else. Like he's trying to like, Fit in with the dynamics of the team, which I think being a transfer is hard, but also like already having this much like hype around you and unfortunately, like not performing to the degree that everybody's expecting you to perform. Like, I don't I don't know if it's necessarily like they don't trust each other. I think it's just he's in his head.
1: Yeah. And I think actually you talk about, I know I'm cutting you again, Caleb, but someone asked Beamer about play calling in that regard and Satterfield again on Wednesday, but about how do you kind of tailor your offense to a transfer versus everybody else? Beamer mentioned they still have a lot of concepts that he used at Oklahoma. He mentioned one play that's actually called sooner, but then he had to say they had to change the name because he said it in a press conference, which is pretty funny, but they are trying to strike that balance between running what he ran in Oklahoma versus Using their own concepts. And I don't think they've found that yet, but like everything else, if you can't find it this week against this defense, when are you going to find it?
0: Yeah, and I think that's something that is easy to forget um, and probably frustrating to watch as a South Carolina fan. Is it is a new quarterback earning a new system? You did have a pretty rough uh beginning of the schedule, three-game stretch. You know, you didn't get very I mean, you got the Georgia State game, which was still you know, reasonably tough. Um, and you didn't get some of the warm-up games that some of the other uh offenses around the country got before they got into the meat of their schedule. I mean, you hosted the number one team in the country instead and then played another top ten team. So uh that's that's a tough <laughs> beginning of the schedule. So I do think we will know a lot more about how well Rattlers uh grasping the offense, how well he and Siderfield are working together um, after these next three weeks, you know, you, you got to get things going these next two weeks and then carry that momentum into uh, Kentucky. I do actually, want to, one of you – yeah, go ahead.
2: I was just going to say to your point, uh, Zach Pickens was talking on Tuesday about, like, he actually – even though we had all these hard games, we were playing number one and Arkansas was what, number six? They're at seven, nine right now, I six, think, six, in seven, seven. the poll. Um, but they – he wants – To play those types of hard games because ultimately speaking it shows and proves what they are what their abilities are at the moment and i think that honestly is a great way to take our tough schedule that we've had so far and like hopefully our next toughest opponent will be semi you know we can like kind of compare benchmark from where we were at arkansas and georgia to where we're gonna go to which i mean i wanted one of us to do
1: something caleb
0: (laughs) i want i just want someone to give me some context on the satterfield quote that i saw about rattler um where he said uh he's excited because every single week he screws something up and then spends the whole week uh, the whole following week fixing it and then he'll screw something up this weekend and work to fix it and it's, it's been really cool to see his work ethic so i'm assuming this wasn't like said sarcastically he's saying like hey no, that he was make, totally he made, he's serious. making miss yeah he's making some mistakes and then he's working to fix it but when i read it like because i i read it before the I way that it, quote reads like, is wow. pretty bad
1: I'll, I'll say that yeah the way that reads is your offensive coordinator sending the quarterbacks making a mistake every week which is actually right. correct i mean he's got five picks in three games. But I, I realize that's the way it reads. I don't think that's the way he meant it. I think it was supposed to be more of a compliment on Spencer's work ethic, Spencer trying to get into the system more, understanding the playbook, whittling down the playbook, which we haven't talked about yet, but Shane's talked about a lot about trying to just understand what Spencer does best and just go with that and not having this big wide array of plays and things. Maybe you see more of that against Charlotte. I don't know. But I think, I think he meant that more as a compliment on his work ethic even though it reads like a very backhanded compliment.
0: Yeah. And I think right now there is this space for miscommunication, both on the field and off the field. I don't know if you guys saw the podcast clip where Josh Van basically was calling out uh, Satterfield for calling a play that was, um, that they hadn't gone over in three weeks in the Arkansas game or whatever. He got asked about in the press conference too. And he, you know, was like, Josh Van apologized to me, but at the same time, uh, he's kind of right, which I thought was an interesting uh, response. Um, I mean, I guess they're just trying to keep the waters smooth here, and I guess that's kind of my point is I think you have a good show in these next two weeks. Good vibes will come back, but right now definitely feels like this like anxiety point for a lot of people on the team right now. And if you come out and don't perform this week while you're already on that, like, Razor edge, I feel like things could kind of kind of slip on you.
1: The Satterfield thing's funny because the Josh Fan clip, because he apologized for that, but he also said he can't promise he wouldn't do it again, which I thought was really interesting. He said, Yeah, I shouldn't have called a play we hadn't repped in three weeks, but we had the look we wanted. I thought it was gonna work. And then he said, I can't guarantee I won't do that again if we get a good look, even if we have not rep to play. And it's like, okay but you saw what that led to last time. Is that something you really want to do a get at? I thought that was a very weird quote.
0: Yeah. I wonder how much that's telling us about why <laughs> the identity feels off or whatever. And what we keep talking about is like, they need to narrow in on what they're good at and just do that, which I'm sure. I mean, I have no doubt that Marcus Fields is a very smart guy. He probably knows way more about football than I do. Um, and I have no doubt that in the NFL, uh, which is where a lot of his concepts in the system came from, um, and when you have four weeks of preseason to get things right, and when you have uh, people getting paid to, to study this all the time or whatever, um, that you can be a little bit more multiple, which then um, allows you to pull something out of your back pocket that you haven't repped in three weeks. But I do think that there needs to be an emphasis on this being college kids with a quarterback that's only played three games under the system. I mean, he got here in the spring, so he's been, you know, working on it or whatever. Um, but you have several transfers. I mean, what Antoine Wells too. Um, I think maybe there needs to be a little bit of a simplifying effect going on here that doesn't seem to be happening.
1: Yeah. and my- Oh, go ahead, Pauline.
2: No, uh, go ahead.
1: My biggest thing, and like, I made a joke earlier in the week that against this Charlotte defense, Satterfield should kind of be able to just call whatever he wants and it should work. Maybe that's a little bit unfair to Charlotte, but I can read a stat sheet and so can you guys. Mm -hmm. That's kind of what other teams have been doing to Charlotte and it's been working. So you're going to see, okay, what does Marcus Satterfield want this offense to look like? I said after the Arkansas game, I don't know what it's supposed to look like when it looks good. You should see what it looks like when it looks good on Saturday one way or another. I don't know if that means tempo. I don't know if that means getting the ball to the tight ends more. I don't know if that means more to carry on Joiner. We saw that Saturday. I think it means more Dugie McDowell. That's someone I think they really need to get the ball to 10, 15 times. But I think whatever it's supposed to look like when it's good, you might get your first look at that Saturday. And again, if not, different set of problems for us to talk about Sunday, Caleb. <laughs>
0: Yeah. That will not be a fun review podcast if uh it doesn't. Um Pauline, you were gonna say something.
2: Uh honestly, I forget what I was okay. gonna say, so yeah. don't worry about it.
0: Um anything else on Satterfield and the offense that you're looking for on Saturday? I mean, I think we've we've pretty much uh beat the dead horse of what is the identity? We better see the identity. Um but yeah, I think I think that there's definitely probably a confidence issue going on right now, maybe with several people, maybe with with Siderfield himself. I mean, I don't know. But um, hopefully this game can sort of write some of that confidence and then you know, see where you go from there.
1: Only other thing I'd look at is tempo. I just want to see if they're picking up first downs, if they're trying to play fast again, like they were at points in the Georgia State game and a couple points in the Arkansas game. If you're playing well all night, does that mean tempo all night? Yeah.
0: Um, all right, so as we kind of like wrap up the Charlotte talk, um, any predictions for what's going to happen on Saturday? You guys got score predictions or weird? I haven't put a
1: score prediction in yet, that'll be Saturday morning if you're a gamecockscoop.com subscriber. I, if I had to put one in now, I'm gonna say South Carolina 45, Charlotte. 20? I think they can cover that 23. I wouldn't have picked them to cover that 26. That numbers moved down this week. Um you have to score at least 40 points this game. I don't really want I don't want to just make it a binary thing. Like, oh, if they score 38, the offense played badly. Like that's not what I'm trying to say, but you really should be able to put up 40 on this defense. And I think they will. I'd
2: say honestly, I'd say under 40. Um okay. mm- I'm not going to cut. I'm cutting slack, I guess. I hope they I hope they blow my prediction out of the water. I'd honestly could say close to 35 or 38. That's only because like at this point I I, I don't know if I can say I can trust um, Are
1: you in like a I need to, to see it to seeing. believe it phase?
2: Yeah. Yeah, honestly, my 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 um childlike sense of wonder is slowly diminishing and I'm seeing the reality. <laughs> I think a lot of Carolina of fans
1: are feeling that about the <laughs> <offense>. fans.
2: <laughs> so honestly, I really hope they do. I hope I'm wrong and they are over 40, but you also have to check how they did against Georgia State. I think that's a great uh kind of baseline we've already played them and honestly they kind of gave us not a run for our money but definitely like made a step up more than i we thought we had it's to. a one score so, game in the I third mean, quarter yeah and i think they held their own that's really more of what i was trying to get at is that charlotte like was in it for the entire game there is never really a point where like blown out of the water like we kind of all thought oh it's done for you
1: know yeah I'll cap to that. I thought Georgia State was going to beat Charlotte last week, pretty comfortably. I know you did too, Caleb. And Charlotte went to Atlanta and won that game. So yeah,
2: there's been crazy games like that though. That's why I'm scared. That is why I am scared. I do not want a Marshall and Notre Dame to happen to us. Sure, like sure, not at all. Weird year, not at all.
0: (laughs) To to be fair to Charlotte, whenever I picked Georgia State over Charlotte, because that was based on. Them starting the season 0 and 3, and I didn't realize that they're missing their starting quarterback. Uh, they at, were down the quarterback
1: against who they play: FAU, Maryland. Oh, they lost Jay, to William Jay, and Mary. Jay, we haven't mentioned yeah. that yet. They did lose yeah. to an FCS, a pretty mediocre FCS, and gave up 41 points to them. So, uh, which
0: that was again without their quarterback, though. And it, here, here's my read on this. I think. No, 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 definitely not. And this is my this is my read. If I'm comparing them to Georgia State, I think Charlotte's got a much worse defense than Georgia State, but I would say they probably have a better offense. Um, one of the things with South Carolina's defense of the effort against Georgia State was they were able to put tons of emphasis on the run, um, and then whenever that forced Aaron Granger to pass the ball, it, he just literally couldn't do it. I believe he was like. 40% or 45%, 29, uh, I think. Yeah. It was, yeah, was it rough. Um, And I do think that Charlotte's offense is significantly better than Georgia State, especially from a passing standpoint. So I think they're going to score some points. Um, Pauline, did you, you said the third, that South Ghans is 35 or 38. What do you think Charlotte's going to score?
2: I'd say high 20s. Say, Ooh, we've got a tighter game here than you. I think
1: anyone wants. That's what <laughs> I. <like> that's it. <laughs> what I, I think it's
2: honestly, and I know that's such a like half glass empty type of attitude. But
1: boy, like I yeah, said, hey, if, uh, if we're getting our on message, your Sunday morning talking about a seven-point win, that's going to be a problem. Yeah.
2: Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. Our
0: our message board's going to light itself on fire if South Carolina <laughs> wins this game by seven to ten points, um, which. You know, yeah. uh, pop on Is over to the Insiders like, Forum on like, com, <laughs> and you can set it on fire Are with them if you want. Yeah, we got matches, we got <laughs> um, torches, we got sticks, stuff you want. <laughs> um, I'm going to go a little bit more optimistic than that. Uh, but I like I said before, I'm not sure. So I think I'll stick with Allen's 45. That's about what I was thinking to do. Um, but I think Georgia State's going to put up 24. So, Charlotte. You know, three or what did I say? She uh said yeah, State. Charlotte. <laughs> uh, they're they're basically interchangeable. Right. Now um yeah Charlotte <laughs> is gonna put up 24. Um so yeah 21 point win. you almost cover you probably feel okay about that because the offense scores forty five that's your thing yeah you got plenty to also be concerned about. <laughs> if they score 45. I think there's equal
2: draws. I think there's equal draws on both sides of it. So that's why I think it's going to be a closer game. There's not like like we each have it like in a yin and yang type of sense like we're missing what, like, we need for the other team that's really good. And, like, they're missing what they need for us in our sense that, like, what yeah, we're really good at. You
1: know, what if this just becomes a shootout? I know no Carolina fans want to hear that, and Clayton White doesn't want to hear that especially. But, like, if Charlotte can move the – what if this just mm, – I still don't think that's going to happen. I think South Carolina can get enough – Knock stops. on wood.
2: Knock on wood. I'm, I'm like, not, like, a, praying for this to happen. There's a like, scenario just... where this is, a like,
1: 24. 20- four to 17 game at halftime and then Carolina pulls away, which that's sort of
0: what I think is going to happen. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Um, That's sort of what I think is going to happen. They'll probably hit a couple big plays in the first half and then Clayton White will make some halftime adjustments and the defense will kind of settle in.
1: Yeah. And if they score 45 on offense and as long as nobody else gets hurt, mission accomplished oh i need no turnovers from spencer too we were talking about keys like one of these weeks you've got to play a 60-minute game and not turn the ball over especially against this defense i said that last week he turned it over on the first or second drive of the game that was out the window but come on
0: man you need to you need to see some turnovers
1: that's the other point caleb and you were sitting right next to me when i asked beamer about that saturday that they've got one takeaway in three games um that's tied for last in the sec right now um I do think some of that is your secondary playmakers—the guys you would expect to have things like interceptions or scoops aren't healthy right now. But I think that's talk about talk about things that would make. I, I describe this game as a possible—I want to emphasize possible—possible possible palate cleanser for Carolina fans just after the last two weeks. You talk about things.
2: Oh no.
0: <laughs> thank you froze. Uh, Alan, froze. Alan froze up for a second what did you say after pallet cleanser?
1: oh I just uh, talk about things Carolina fans would need for this to be a pallet cleansing game I said it could possibly be one turnovers both sides you gotta force a couple you gotta not have any of your own and you need nobody else to get hurt which I'm saying every week at this point but given the injury list I
0: think I have to say that every week
2: hopefully these youngins yeah. won't be breaking any bones <laughs>
0: Yeah, that's another thing that you're looking for these next two weeks is no new injuries and some of those guys that have been questionable the last couple weeks start to come back and uh, get you ready to go for that back half of the SEC schedule, which is is much... It's uh,
2: important.
0: Yeah, and it's it's much nicer to look at than the first half was, though. Speaking of schedules, before we start to wrap up here, um, the 2023 schedule just dropped. Alan Cole... Alan Cole. I don't know why I referred to you as your first and last name just now. Uh, anyway, Alan wrote a uh, breakdown of that schedule on GameCostGroup.com. Definitely go check that out. Pretty interesting. I mean, I know it's a little early, but um, SEC didn't no. do South Carolina any favors, I don't think. There,
1: Do not, first of all, do not ask me to W&L of 2023 schedule. I will not <laughs> respond to you. I'm not doing that in September of this year. Please drink a glass of water and take a breath. Um <laughs> As for, yeah, I think the big thing that jumps out there for Carolina, it's one positive, it's one negative. The positive there is the last four games of the year are all going to be at home next season. They're going to spend the entire month of November in Columbia. You've got Jacksonville State. You've got, what is it, Jacksonville State, Vanderbilt, Kentucky, and Clemson coming all coming to williams Bryce in a row. The negative of that is the two longest road trips of the year and that you can possibly have in the SEC are on back-to-back weeks. They're going to go to Missouri. They're going to go to AM 2 weeks in a row next year. Um
0: Yeah, I'd as well just stay out there somewhere and find a (laughs) find a high school practice field. Um, Yeah, yeah, they uh, the the way that I view that schedule, which again, go check out the whole um, breakdown on GamecockScoop.com. But if you somehow get out of the first six games at three and three or better, um, you're feeling really good because the back half of the schedule, like you said, is a lot of home games, some of the easier. Uh, SEC games on the schedule or on the back half. Um, but it's also Same possible looking at it, yeah. Um, but it's also possible looking at it that you could start like one and five because, uh, they're, they're, the, the open game out of conference is against UNC, which is definitely not a give me. Um, and then you have, I guess, Furman on that front half, but the rest are all SEC games. Yeah, you gotta Do go. Do you to think Georgia
2: that will beat North Carolina?
1: I am not WML in the 2023 schedule. I'm
0: not doing that, Pauline. Too early.
2: No, not doing that. Um,
1: (laughs) Neutral site game, roughly. Drake
0: May. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Who's playing quarterback for South Carolina? And Drake May is probably going to be playing quarterback for North Carolina, who's. So it's not going to be an easy game. Uh, I'll, I'll definitely say that.
1: Yeah. Um, I don't know. It's that game September 2nd, 2023. So almost a whole calendar year from we'll figure it out then. Um, yeah, not, to, got, not to, not to your time. question, but we'll figure it out then. Um, anything else national yeah. for you guys this week, the rest of college football. We know we kind of hit that a little bit. Our picks article. What is that dropping tonight or tomorrow on the website?
0: Yeah. Tonight or tomorrow, probably tomorrow. Um, since it's a little kick on Saturday, everything gets pushed back a little bit. Um, yeah, I mean, there's some good. It's the, the national schedule is definitely better than it was last week. Um Remind me some of the games that we're picking this week. It's been a minute.
1: We're picking Tennessee and Florida. That's where game day is. That's at 3:30. That's two teams. South Carolina is going to see um, on back to back weeks actually in November. Um I thought I that Tennessee that was an
0: week. interesting spread. Like Tennessee's. Tennessee minus. Uh, at least, what it, is it?
1: Ten. Eleven.
0: It's it's ten and a half right now, but it opened at eleven. And I, um, like I've talked about, it, I kind of go back and forth with my friend on picks every week, and that seemed like an easy Florida to cover to me. I mean, I think Tennessee I don't know to cover, actually. Eleven points. All right, maybe. Yeah, I, I mean, do. it's at home. I
1: think that offense is great. Um, I really am not a Florida believer. Like, I think you can. We're two. We're what? Almost three weeks back from the Utah game now, and they've laid an egg against Kentucky and. Did you watch that game Saturday? Like, did you? I'm actually asking. They probably should have I lost did. to South Florida. Yeah. South Florida had yeah. like three straight execution mistakes from the last drive of the game in the red zone. Um, I'm just not a Florida believer. That game's in Knoxville. I think Tennessee probably wins by 14. Um, but I also said that about Utah week one. And here we are.
0: Yeah. I mean, I think I it depends on how him. Anthony Richardson does. So good, <laughs> Sorry.
2: I think it'll be interesting to watch that game just in general. But also, like Florida. Not saying I'm a Florida hater, but I definitely think they're one of the more diceier teams in the SEC at the moment I'm where not, You can just y- say it.
1: I'm not really a Florida believer <laughs> right now. I know they beat Utah, that's great, but uh, No, but
2: that's what I'm saying. They're very like it's basically luck of the draw, I feel like for like the majority of the games that they've played this year already and w- will continue. So like it'll be interesting to see how Tennessee is against them. Because I mean, if they if Florida does very well, I don't know if we like are using that as a benchmark or like how we're gonna be able to like use that in practice think, and like you know getting ready for it. I
0: think, it's, and this is what I was saying a second ago. It goes by the way that Anthony Richardson goes. That offense is pretty anemic unless he is balling out, which he did against Utah and he hasn't so much the last two weeks. Um, so he's due, you know. I, and also, I'm not. I'm not afraid of Tennessee's defense. So I think, um, shouldn't
1: be, but we'll see. I think, I think Florida will score some points. What else we got? Arkansas and AM Saturday night.
0: That's, that's going to be a fun game. I'm looking forward to that one. Um, yeah,
1: I will miss it, but have fun watching double screening at home while I'm in the press box.
0: Yeah. Um, yeah, I probably will uh, only catch, you know, what I can from the major highlights or whatever, but still, um, I, want to say Arkansas is the better team from what we've seen thus far, but Texas a and at home. It's a neutral side game. They're playing in Dallas. Yeah. Oh, well, there you go. All right. So I have no idea, which is kind of surprising. but
1: Don't know. Arkansas almost had a disaster last week. They pulled it out of the fire against the fight and Bobby Petrino's. Um uh, we'll see what happens there, yeah. But and that was then, that was
0: kind of a look ahead game, you know.
1: Yeah, that, that was I was watching that like just shaking my head, like, you cannot be serious, like you cannot possibly lose this game. And like, I guess luckily for them, they didn't. But that's your two big SEC games this week. Um, trying to think what else we have on the card that we're picking. Um, Clemson and Wake Forest, that's that's a big road game for Clemson. That's their first kind of real opponent on the road against. I don't know if Wake's ranked, but Wake's Wake, 20, 21. Um
0: 21, okay. yeah, Clemson's favored by seven in that one. That's a noon game. So uh I can watch
1: that one. Yeah,
0: there you go. I uh, I I mean, Clemson's offense still looks bad, but I just feel like their defense is going to carry them through I think pretty Clemson much the entire season. Yeah.
1: That's about all I have for the rest of the country this week. Um, I don't know if any oh USC at Oregon State. It's on Pac 12 network. Nobody wants you to see it. That's gonna be fun if you can find a stream somewhere. Any of y'all?
0: <laughs> yeah, I mean, it'll be the first actual Pac-12 game the year, and Oregon State's look pretty good, so yeah, that'd be fun. That's about all I have. Pauline, give me a Clemson Wake pick. What you got?
2: Um, I have a lot of friends at Wake Forest, but so I'm gonna go Wake Forest. Cool. Alright, I don't like Clemson, so, you know, I'm a, I'm not – I'm a Clemson hater, just like no, I mean, Allen's a, a Florida hater.
1: <laughs> I'm not a Florida hater. I'm not a believer in Florida's offense. I'd like to split the difference there. Um, to be
2: fair, I am a believer in Clemson's defense. Yeah. Like you said, Kayla, they are notoriously They're incredibly terrifying. strong. Yeah, if one of those men came – freaking charging at me, I'd run in the opposite direction and still probably would be run over. Like yeah. I would not yeah. want to face them for sure.
0: I think no Munch problem. Wins, They're very fast. I,
1: would be I wouldn't be shocked if Wake made that game ugly and found a way to win like twenty to seventeen or something.
2: It'd be tight for sure. Like it would not be like a blowout at all. But I definitely think that like it'll be a good kind of back to back scenario like Charlotte and Georgia State was. So It'll be good. It'll Obviously be interesting in if that's. Calendar.
0: It'll be interesting to see if like Wake is up at halftime or something. If uh, Dabo pulls the plug on DJU. I, I feel like it's going to happen at some point. Um, um, like at some point they're going to get that, into though. an ugly game and see what happens. It's funny but, you say but, that though,
1: because Clemson, I'm pretty sure they're playing NC State next week. So That's the two. I guess that's the other two highest ranked ACC teams. I <laughs> mean, Miami's lost in back to back weeks for Clemson coming up here
0: um so maybe it is pull the plug time i don't know i mean you gotta you gotta find out i mean maybe dju plays the two best games of his career and solidifies himself for the season but it's college football uh,
1: there isn't anything can happen quotient every week
0: (laughs) um one more thing i do want to mention before we get out of here uh if you have been following us for a while or if you've just gone back through our youtube pauline did the like greet the gamecock series she talked to several Uh, South Carolina freshmen as they arrived on campus. Um, We're going to kind of expand that out um, and try to, um, well, we're going to use the Gamecock Exchange, which if you are a small business owner, um, you should definitely go check out the Gamecock Exchange. Uh, It's a way for, through the university, for businesses to reach out to uh, student athletes uh, at the University of South Carolina um, and for services or whatever um so yeah exactly nil um so um one of the things that we're going to do is do some like lifestyle style interviews like pauline did with the greedy gamecocks so that we get to know some of the student athletes at south carolina beyond just what they um are doing on the field or the courts or or whatever um so that should be really interesting and really fun we'll also probably um try to make sure that you're aware of any of the athletes that have their own branding, for example, I know Marshawn Lloyd has like a uh, um, clothing brand or, or whatever. So the ways that um, individual Gamecock fans can support their favorite athletes um, will be made available too. So that should be really interesting. I don't know if Pauline, you want to say anything more about it, but.
2: Yeah, just like to that, just a little plug in, but we would technically, or er, we're hopefully going to be like focusing on one player for two weeks or so, but really blasting them and just giving a whole like highlight on who they are as a person, as a player, obviously, but also as a student, just like they want to be recognized as just a normal person. And I think you'd find it interesting to see what their everyday lives are like as well.
0: Definitely. Um, And that actually brings me back to one more interesting point that we didn't talk about, but I saw the press conference notes, um, was I believe it was Clayton White um, was talking about when a player is injured, you do have this next man up mentality. But something I encourage fans to remember. Um, it's something that it seems like this coaching staff uh, is trying to remember, and even with the the recruits that are talking to talk to, um, they're treating them like you know full fledged genuine people. And Clayton White said basically like, yes, we do have this next man up mentality, but we are looking at these injured players and trying to make sure their mental health is still in a good place. Um, Which is something we don't think about too much, right? Like, how is Cam Smith, who is probably going to be a first-round draft pick, feeling about uh, some games uh, this season, perhaps last season at South Carolina, Um, just for example, you know? So, um, yeah, I think fans should keep it in mind. Hopefully this gives um, us an opportunity to... Sort of um, slack. <laughs> make, yeah, and make these these athletes three dimensional, right? You can obviously criticize what's going on in the field. Me and Alan have definitely um, kind of gone hard at Spencer Rattler a couple times, but um, at the end of the day, full fledged people Humans, with families and like goals know. and yeah, exactly. We're all people, so we're
1: all doing our best, and especially you talk about um, Clayton White mentioned um, Jordan Jordan Strawn and Mokaba this week. Both tore their ACLs in the same game, both out for the year. Just sucks. There's no other way to say it. It, it just, especially for Strong, he's already had an injury, made him lose a season when he was at Georgia State before he transferred. Um, it just sucks. It, they're humans. They got to, um, and sounds like they're trying, and Chad Terrell, um, he got hurt before the year, but he's in that same boat with a with torn ACL out for the year. Um, they're trying to, uh, Clayton White talked about how they're still at meals, they're still in team meetings, but they're trying to make it, Feel like they're still a part of this thing, even though they obviously won't be able to play the rest of the season
0: Yeah, and I think especially in this like transfer portal era um, One of the things the staff has done a really good above is is building deep relationships with all of the players which um, Is pretty pretty deep um, Roster when you actually look at everyone that's contributing here and and try you know you got to maintain that because who's to say um that doesn't pay off later because both those guys should be back next year both those guys should be contributors that maybe uh, at least strong you weren't necessarily expecting so um definitely definitely important all right uh last thoughts from either of you before we head out
1: just keep it up on the website all week we've got I wrote something uh, yesterday about, like, patience versus urgency. Obviously, we have staff picks coming later. We've got Perry McCarty's Coach's Corner, which you should always read. Just great X's and O's, kind of nitty-gritty football stuff. Uh, Pauline all over the socials. Caleb, you got your recruiting wrap-up Friday. Um, We've got baseball content coming. I'm going to scrimmage tomorrow. If you want to read some inside some baseball notes from what I see. And, of course, Saturday, all kinds of game content, game live thread. And Sunday, we'll, we'll be back with a podcast talking about the Charlotte game and going into SC State, going into the month of October, actually, by the time that game comes around.
2: Awesome. I was going to say my AirPods died, so that's my final thought. thought. <laughs>
0: hey, that's pretty good timing there. Um, yeah. We didn't have anyone show up on the live today to leave some comments, but that's always an option. So if you're seeing this later um, on Sunday when we Sunday morning when we pop on to do the shot review, come join us, leave some comments. we'll answer some questions live uh, like we did this past Sunday and we always do the preview around this time two to three eastern something like that um so look out for that and pop on and say what's up and until next time this has been pauline allen and caleb from the gamecockscoop.com podcast see you later